I am excited about today. I'm excited we get to open up the Bible together and we're going to grow today. You ready for that? Are you ready to grow a little bit? We're going to leave our time together and hopefully we're more in love with Jesus, more fired up, understanding more of who God is and what he wants to do in and through our lives. If you want to stay the same, you might want to leave now. If you don't want to be challenged at all or encouraged at all, turn off your computer, go another direction, maybe, I don't know, watch a game or something. But, right with, but if you're here today and you're listening today and you're like, you know what, I, I want to be better, I want to grow, I want to move forward, well, obviously, you wouldn't even have tuned in if you weren't wanting to be better. better. So we might as well just lean fully in to what God is wanting to do. Uh, the title of today's message is Guess Who's Coming to Dinner? Guess who's coming to dinner? For those of you who are taking notes, you can go ahead and jot that down. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 4. 2 Samuel chapter 4. We're going to step back thousands of years. This is actually about the year 1000 that we're stepping into. Uh, We're going to be looking at a passage of Scripture where David has become king. Uh, This is before Plato and before Aristotle, before all of them. And and before David becomes king, about 10 years prior to that, an incident takes place that has significant implications for your life and mine. We may be reading about an individual that some of you have heard of. Maybe most of us have not. But I'm praying, as I said earlier, as we open up the scriptures, that we wouldn't just be reading the Bible, but the Bible would be reading us. Second Samuel chapter four, verse number four, Jonathan, son of Saul, had a son who was lame in both feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. His nurse picked him up and fled, but as she hurried to leave, he fell and became disabled. His name was Mephibosheth. Now that's a mouthful of a name. (laughs) Let me give you some context for the story. Saul is the king. Jonathan is his son. So he's the prince. He's next in line for the throne. Saul and Jonathan both die in battle. When they die in battle, Jonathan has a son. This son, his name is Mephibosheth. So he is grandson to the king, son of the prince. He's five years old. Word about the death of his grandfather and his father makes its way to his nurse, his caregiver. She hears about this and she does what any good caregiver would do. She picks him up and is is trying to get him to safety. The reason she's doing this is because since the king and his son have died, whoever killed them is going to try to come and kill who, who, excuse me, whoever is in line for the throne. They're gonna try to take out any trace of Saul's bloodline. So this nurse, being smart, picks up this five-year-old and says, we have to get out of here. The Bible does not tell us how it happened. It does not tell us what was going on in the room. We don't know if she tripped on a table. We don't know if it was a rock. We don't know if she was just frantic. But what we do know is in her haste, this five-year-old boy is dropped. And once he hits the ground, 
he can no longer walk. He goes from playing to paraplegic in a moment. He goes from being a normal, if you will, quote unquote, five-year-old that can play soccer or basketball or I don't know, and I've got five-year-olds doing MMA. You can be, you, you got this five-year-old doing a little bit of everything and out there with his friends and going to the playground, but now he can't go to the playground that everybody else goes to. He has to go to a playground built for special needs because now he's disabled in both of his feet. This, if you met Mephibosheth, maybe when he's 25, and you saw him over there in the corner somewhere and he's, he's seated, Maybe you would see a dignitary or someone walk into the room and everybody stands up and you would look over into the corner and you would see Mephibosheth still seated. And maybe you'd look at him and go, what's his deal? Why is that guy seated? What's wrong with him? Does he want to show any respect? But you wouldn't be able to see his brokenness. You wouldn't know that when he was five, he had an accident and an accident holds him back from being able to stand up like you can stand up. I I submit to you that some of the issues that we see in our life, in our world today, it's easy for us to judge people, but we don't know who dropped them. We don't know what issues they have been dealing with. We don't know what problems they've had to fight through. We don't know that your boss maybe is not just trying to make your life miserable. Maybe he or she has been dropped two, three, four times by different men or women in their life. We look at the news and maybe we see a teenager who's involved in criminal activity or in a gang and we want to label them, but maybe we shouldn't. Maybe we don't know that their family dropped them and this gang is the only family that they know. So they're actually not into uh, being a criminal, they're into being connected. And this is the only way they know how to be connected. Maybe someone who is on drugs or drinking right now is not just an evil person and they don't have any self-control. Maybe they made a decision when they were 15 or 17 or 24 and that decision has been living with them for their entire life and they're trying to figure out a way to numb the pain. I'm not saying the behavior's right. I'm just saying there's probably more to the story. And every one of us who are under the sound of my voice. At every location, everyone online, the reality is there's more to the story than what these people see. There's a reason you and I talk how we talk, vote how we vote, live where we live. There's a reason we drive what we drive. There's a reason we interact the way we interact. And sometimes it's because someone dropped us. So just wonder, Can people's church continue to be the church that I've always known you to be? A church filled with love and compassion and mercy. A church that is willing to not condone behavior, but to say, I'm not going to cancel you because of your behavior. That I am willing to see beyond your lameness. And I'll see the potential that God put on the inside of you. Because it was just one moment. And you and I both know it just takes one moment. Takes one boyfriend or girlfriend breaking up with you, one text message. How do you break up with somebody over text? Rude. (laughs) One text message. 
one dropping of the gavel, one teenager that makes a, a terrible decision, one spouse that says something or does something. This takes one time you looking at your husband's computer or your wife's text messages and seeing something on there that should not be on there. It just takes one interaction to mess our lives up and to distort the way we see the world. It just takes one moment. And that's what we saw in Mephibosheth's life. But the good news is, it also just took one moment for our glorious Savior to put things that are wrong right. That's it only took one moment for that as well. It only took one moment for our Savior to get on an old rugged cross for me and for you and to take the, the sin and the shame and the condemnation and the brokenness of our world and say, hey, you don't have to stay like that forever. It just took one moment of Jesus saying, hey, God, I'll take all of that mess. I'll put it on me. I'm going to reconcile the world back to God. I, it took one moment for our Savior to say, God, I'll stand in the gap for them. That's the Savior that you have and I have. That's the gospel that we preach. That's what this church and who this church is all about. I want you to skip past chapter 5 and chapter 6 and chapter 7 and chapter 8 of 2 Samuel. And we're going to land in chapter 9. Now David has become king. Remember Saul and Jonathan have died. But David has now become king. In 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse number 1, David asked, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Just a little, insert a little bit of texture into the story. Again, Saul, the, pre, the previous king, Jonathan, his son, they died, but David was best of friends with Jonathan. So maybe to put in today's terms, Saul started the company. Everyone thought Jonathan was gonna take over the company. There was a terrible accident. And now David has taken over the company. And David now was wondering, is there anyone connected to my predecessor's family that I can show kindness to? So verse number two, there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. I like that name, not because it's a great name, but because who names their child Ziba? It's the same thing that I ask my mother when I ask why she named me Earl, because Earl is too aggressive a name for a baby. You cannot see a baby come out the womb. I'm right on this. I'm right. You cannot see a newborn baby and go... Earl. It's too much, okay? It's like, if your name is Earl, you got to have like a job and a truck. But no, no, no. My mom's like, here he is, Earl. <laughs> Let me, I digress. Zeba and Earl, same family, they summon him to, to appear before David. And the king said to him, are you Zeba? He goes, yeah, I am. Uh, at your service, he replied. The king asked, is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Everybody say kindness. I like this word a whole bunch right here. Is there anyone still of the house of Saul to whom I can show God's 
kindness, God's kindness. I wish later on, go ahead and read chapter seven. If you read second Samuel chapter seven, you will see the kindness of God being extended towards David. Well, you can see it a bunch of times, but you can see it in chapter seven where he's just, God is telling David all that he's going to do in him and through him. And David sits down. He's like, I don't know how in the world I am getting this blessed. This is, I, I don't deserve this at all. God, you are being way better than I can possibly. I, I don't deserve this goodness, this kindness at all. And I love that David does not allow that kindness to stop with him. David says, since I have received from God, I'm going to give what God has given me. I wish the church would continue to live and operate like this. Since God has given me mercy, let me give mercy. Since God has given me love, let me give love. Since God has given me hope, let me give hope. Since God has given me trust, let me give trust. Since God has given me courage, let me give courage. I want to be the type of person that when God gives it to me, it doesn't stop with me. It gets through me. If God gives me some money, God, I want it to go through me. If God gives me some vision, I want it to get through me. If God, whatever God gives me, I don't want it to stop with me. And here is David. He's like, I got God's kindness. I want to see this kindness extended into the world. It's absolutely beautiful. Do you know that many of your friends and your family members, mine too, they actually think God's mad at them. They think that they can't do enough to appease this God in heaven. So they might as well live their lives the way they want to live their lives because they can't see themselves measuring up and being perfect. There are many that think, not everyone, but there are many that think God has some closed fist and is ready to pummel them at any moment. But you got to read Romans chapter 2, verse number 4. You can jot this down. The scriptures tell us, It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Repentance. It's not me being angry with the world that leads them to repentance. It's not me taking people's faces and shoving it into the dirt and saying, say Jesus, say Jesus, say Jesus. Bless God. No, no. It's not me trying to be so perfect all the time. It is actually the kindness of God that leads them to repentance. What is repentance? That's you and I going one direction and turning. That's what repentance is. It's you turn. You were going one way, you went another way. You you got Siri on your phone, except unless unless you have an Android and, you know, God still loves you. But you have Siri. And... I said, that, I said that one time in our church and somebody sent, sent me an email and they were like, well, I don't like to spend a lot of money on my phones. That's why I have an Android. Okay, never mind. Uh, you put in your directions and you're like, hey, I want to get to People's Church. I'm going to show up at one of the campuses. It's going to be so fun. And you put in the directions and she tells you where to turn. And you're like, take this exit. And if you miss the exit, she reroutes you. And she says, hey, take the next exit. Hey, take that. If you miss that one, take the next exit. Hey, turn around. That's what God has been doing with all of our lives. He tried to get you when you were seven, tried to get you when you were 17, tried to get you when you were 27. And you and I just kept driving past exits, but he still kept 
kept saying, no, turn, rerouting, turn, rerouting. Turn. It was the kindness of God that kept pursuing you. So even when you were 150 miles the wrong direction, God still said, I'll find you, I'll turn you around, and I'll get you to where you're supposed to be. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. So here, is there anybody I can show kindness to? Verse number three. Ziba answered the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. It's, uh, it's interesting that Ziba feels it necessary to tell the king the faults and the failures of the person the king is asking about. Feels it necessary to say, yeah, yeah, there's a son, there's a son, Mephibosheth, but, but you know he's lame. You know he can't walk, right? You know he's one of them. You, you know he, he doesn't fit. I just got to tell you, yeah, there's somebody, but, but let me let you know about their shortcomings and their sin. Ziba, why don't you tell me about yours first? I invited you in here. You didn't come in going, hey, king, here's what I did when I was 17. Here's what I did when I was 34. Here's what I, I, you didn't tell me all that. But you're telling me about the shortcomings of this other individual? Can you see the picture of God and his church and his people? I'm trying to insert us into the story here so it's not just black letters on a white page, but you and I can see that you, we're living this today. We have a king. We have a savior that's like, hey, I want to show kindness. And is there anybody to show kindness to? And too often the church is going, yeah, but they're a Democrat. Yeah, but they're a Republican. Yeah, but they did this. Yeah, but they live here. Yeah, but I didn't ask all that. What's their name? Where are they? I'm here to show my kindness. I didn't ask for a list of their faults and failures. I asked for their name. I asked for their name. Where is he? King asked. Ziba answered, uh, He's at the house of Machir, son of Amiel, in Lo-Debar. Lo-Debar. Now, I didn't know this until I had to do a little bit of study. So I wouldn't expect you to know it um, without doing that study. But, you know, honestly, people search you all a lot smarter than me. You probably know this just by looking at the Bible. But when that word Lo-Debar, it means no thing. That's what it means. It's translated no thing. So where is Mephibosheth? He's in the middle of nowhere. Have you felt that at all this year? <laughs> Have you felt at any point in time like, what in the What is going on? Jesus, come quickly. I, I need to get out of here. This world has gone bat crazy. Everybody has lost their mind. Am I going to school? Am I not going to school? They're taking the temperature. Can I go to a restaurant? Can I not? Do I wear, okay, I wear a mask going in, but I don't wear it when I'm eating. Okay, wait, what do I do here? Tell, what is going on here? We're trying to figure out which way is up. COVID has taken so much from many of us. 
There were some weddings that were supposed to happen, some engagements that we saw in our minds a certain way. There were some graduations that were supposed to play out a certain way. Some of us were supposed to be going to college. Others of us were going to be getting a business. So 20, my wife said 2020 was her year of self-care. That's what she said in 2019. Then 2020 happened, and she's like, uh. <laughs> so I've been trying to do all the self-care. I'm like, what, what can I do, honey? You want me to rub your toes? What, what, what can I do here? Because we are all in one house, hanging out, seeing each other more than we've ever seen each other, trying to figure out, okay, Zoom call. I got a five-year-old Zooming. It was so funny. I'm going in there, looking at her Zoom, and all the five-year-olds, you don't see any heads. <laughs> you, you, see, you see the top of little kids' heads. I'm like, who I did not sign up for this. <laughs> I'm in the middle of nowhere. Some of us have felt that in our relationships. I'm in the middle of nowhere. I, 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 don't, I don't have the connection. Couldn't wait for the doors to get back open. We were like, man, I, I just feel like I'm in the middle of nowhere. Well, I need to be around uh, some people. I'm in, and some people want to be around folks but can't be for whatever reason. You still can feel like I'm in the middle of nowhere. That's why we've got online. That's why we want you to keep on engaged. That's why we want you to go through growth track because we don't want anybody feeling like they're in the middle of nowhere. But the reality is probably all of us under the sound of my voice at some point in time this year have felt just like Mephibosheth, like we are in the middle of nowhere. People have forgotten about us. My life does not matter. So here is Mephibosheth in Lodabar in the middle of nowhere, probably feeling forgotten. And he does not know. Watch this. He does not know that his name is on the lips of the king in the palace. He's feeling forgotten and the king is talking about him. He's feeling like he doesn't matter and the king is looking for him. He's feeling insignificant and the king is trying to find out where he is. Can I just encourage you for a second? If you're feeling like you're in the middle of nowhere in your marriage, in your business, in your thought life, let me talk to single people for a second. Single people, if you're like, I need a ring on this finger immediately. God, where are you? Lord, come quickly. <laughs> bring me a man. I, I used to want him to be 6'4". I don't care if he's 4'6". God, just bring him. I'll just pick him up and carry, carry him with me everywhere I go. Just come here, baby. I'll just take him with me. <laughs> I'm having a job and good credit. I don't care, Lord. Just I don't want to be in the middle of nowhere anymore. You can, you can feel like you're utterly forgotten, like nobody cares. I remember my dad not being around when I was growing up and I could not have articulated this when I was 10 and 11 years old. But I remember feeling that since my dad's not here, maybe I don't matter. I'm in the middle of nowhere. This is not just for 31-year-olds. It's also for 11-year-olds. And the enemy, when you're in the middle of nowhere, whether you're a teenager, an older person, a younger person, married, single, whatever your ethnicity may be, the enemy will still whisper at you in those times when you're in the middle of nowhere. You're forgotten. You don't matter. You're too old. You're too young. You're too this. You're too that. And all of us have heard those lies at some point in time. And I'm just letting you know that your name is on the king's lips right now. He is thinking about you. He's thinking about you. So 
So David says, what am I in verse number five? So, so King David had him brought from the middle of nowhere, from the house of Machir, son of Amia. Um, jot this down, uh, jot down Luke chapter 14, uh, verses 21 through 23. Luke chapter 14, verses 21 through 23. And this, this parable that Jesus shares, he's, he's got to have a big old banquet. He's like, hey, everybody can come in. Everybody can come uh, to this banquet. And then the people that are invited are like, I'm too busy. I can't come. And the, the master's like, what? I want my house to be full. I want my table to be full. So I want you going out there and I want you to get everybody. I want you to get people with a pass. I want you to get people that had that multiple partners. I want you to have people. I want you to get people that went bankrupt. I want you to get people that have been cussing their whole lives. I want you to get people that used to love Jesus a ton, but they drifted. I want you to go get every single person that is broken and lost and feels like they don't matter. And I want you to let them know they can come to my house. They can come to the table. And I'm letting you know today, People's Church, that's why People's Church is even here to announce to the world, come on home. There's a spot for you at the table. So now, now, Verse 6, Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David. He bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied, don't be afraid, David said. I wish I had time to preach that. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of your loving heavenly father. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of his hand. Don't be afraid of his heart. Don't be afraid of his thoughts towards you. For I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore you to all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? So now we get a look-see into how Mephibosheth was talking about himself. He's been talking about himself like he's a dead dog. And now he's in the presence of the king and he's like, I don't even know why you're being this nice to me because I don't matter. And he's like, and the king is saying, and God is saying to all of us, you don't get to decide if you matter. I decide if you matter. And since I made you, you matter. So since you're still breathing, I still have purpose for you. Stop looking at yourself like you're a dead dog. You're always going to eat at my table. You got a spot at the king's table. I don't know what Thanksgiving's going to look like for all of us this year, giving COVID tests at the door. But still, you got a spot at the king's table. He's telling Mephibosheth, the door is wide open to you. Come on to the table. The church for too long, not people's church, but the church at large for too long has been known for putting do not sit and do not welcome signs at the table of the Lord. For too long, too long, the world is knowing what we're against instead of what we're for. For too long, people are feeling judged before they ever get to the table. And here you see King David saying, hey, Mephibosheth, I have a spot for you at the table. Who is welcome at the king's table? Who is welcome at the king's table? I'll tell you, everybody, everybody, everybody is welcome at the king's 
table. This is not rocket science. We don't have to make this more complicated. We don't have to ask questions about are you pre-trip, most-trip, post-trip, mid-trip? Oh, what kind of type of Bible do you read? Hey, what type of clothes do you wear? Are you charismatic? Are you Pentecostal? Are you reformed? Do you clap on the one and the three or the two and the four? Hey, what, are you Pentecostal? Are you Presbyterian? Are you Methodist? Let me tell you, how often do you read your Bible? We don't have to have all those questions. What we need to have answered is are you willing to come to the table? Because if you're willing to come, there's a spot for you. It's when you and I get to the table that we learn what it means to live at the table. Why in the world are we expecting people who have never been at the table to live like they're at the table? How should they know what it looks like to sit at the table if they've never been at the table? It's when you get here and we see you eating your food like this. I'm like, oh, oh, okay, okay, slow down, slow down. There's a napkin, okay, there's a napkin. There's a fork. <laughs> Let me help you understand what it looks like. I'll help you understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus. I'll help you understand what it means to forgive. I'll help you understand what it means to read your Bible. I'll help you understand what it means to have a prayer time. I'll help you understand what it means not to cuss everybody out. You used to cuss everybody out. You can't do that anymore. We are now changed from the inside out because God has loved us. Now we extend that love to everyone else. Let me help you understand what it means to be a surrendered follower of Jesus. But you get that at the table. You get that at the table. But not only do you get that at the table, I was thinking about this passage. When you read, I think it's, do I have this screen? Uh, uh, verse 11, chapter 9, verse 11b. Do I have that? Do I have that screen? I'm not sure if I do. Um, in that passage, it talks about how he was able to sit at the table with the king's sons. So there are already some people at the table. Now, Mephibosheth is about to take some of their space. You know that seat you had at the church pre-COVID and you came back? And it's like now that, that seat is roped off. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Here. You and I, those of us who are followers of Jesus, and if you're not right now, I'm gonna give you a chance in just a few moments to surrender your heart to him because he loves you so much. And he brought you to this moment today to grab a hold of your heart, he did. But those of us who are, who are at the table already, the king's sons had to be willing to move over. They had to be willing to make space and room for someone else who was not yet at the table. It's so fascinating to me how we can forget when we weren't at the table and someone had to make some room for us. So now we've, we're professional table sitters. When the pastor says, give God some praise, we know. That means I clap my hands. But there's some people that they don't, they don't know that. Some people, they don't know the songs that we're singing. They're like, what's this karaoke? What's going on here? Why all these people sing? Be quiet. They're singing on the stage. Why does that person have their hand up? Do they have a question? Does that person have two questions? What is going on here? Some people are still trying to figure all that stuff out. Are we willing? People's church, are you going to continue to be the church that we know you to be? That's like, hey, I'll make space for you. I'll move over so that you can sit here. 
Okay, let me. I'm just about done. I'm just about done. Let me see my crutches, please. Let me see my crutches. Let me see my crutches, please. I was asking myself, how did he get to the table? How did he get to the table? He's lame in both of his feet. So how did he get to the table? He can't walk. So how did he get to the table? So I thought maybe he has crutches. Maybe that's how he got there. And he, and he just got himself over there. When the king said, you're going to sit there. He's feeling uncomfortable. Hopefully the other sons are not mean mugging him. But they're willing to go, okay, I'll make a space for you. And he gets over that. I was wondering if the crutches could be like grace and mercy, right? That, that are carrying him all the way from where he was to, to where the king was asking him to go. But then I also wondered, maybe, maybe he didn't get there on crutches. Maybe. The Bible doesn't say this, okay? I'm reading into the story. But maybe, maybe one of the king's sons sitting there. Man, I'm sorry. And they remember, he remembers, I wasn't always sitting here. I wasn't. I didn't always have a spot here. There was a moment that I was lame in both of my feet as well. And I could walk, but I was still lame. Like people couldn't see where I was broken, but I was broken nonetheless. And maybe one of those sons said, let me get up from my spot and be willing to go over here to this man and I'm willing to pick him up and I'm willing to carry him and he can have my spot because there's plenty of room for me at the table. I'm glad I had this tissue in my pocket. Thank you, God, for a random tissue in the pocket. Oh, my goodness. Do you remember? Because if you forget, if I forget, you start getting territorial with your spot at the table. There's plenty of room. There's plenty of room. And I'm not getting up from the table because one of my family members voted for somebody I wish they didn't vote for. I'm not getting up from the table because we got a disagreement. Because whose table is this? If it's my table, it makes sense. But since it's not my table, it's my father's table. He gets to decide who sits at the table. And if we're counting, I don't deserve to be there. This guy named Cesar Montero showed up at our house. I was seven years old. He knocked on the door, friend of my mother's. He said, hey, Peaches, that's my mom's nickname. Hey, Peaches, I'm here to take you to church today. Peaches, my mom says, oh, no, I'm not going to church. I got to do my girlfriend's hair. He said, oh, I'll wait. And my mom took her sweet time, she said. 
doing her girlfriend's hair. <laughs> and Caesar didn't leave. <sighs> then he, he drove my mom to church. And she heard this glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And she raised her hand and said, I want to surrender my life to him. Then she was like, I, shoot, I'm saved. Kids, you're coming with me. And I started going to church too. And I remember giving my heart to Jesus. And I'm just not here if Caesar is not willing to get up from the table and carry my mother to the table. This is why we're asking you to give money and prayer and time and energy and effort and not to stay in alignment and to be involved and to go through growth track. It's all of it so we can carry more people to the table. Guess who's coming to dinner? Everybody. It's his table. Not ours. If you wouldn't mind, bow your head for just a moment at all of our locations. Everybody online, bow your head for just a moment. I ask you to bow your head not because it's mystical or magical, but just so that you can focus. Because your loving Heavenly Father is knocking on the door of your heart. He's saying, son, daughter, I want you home. So if you've never given your heart and your life to Jesus, if you've never made him first, if you've never made him number one and you're under the sound of my voice and you're saying you don't want to go your own way anymore, you want to go his way. You don't want to be first. You want him to be first. I'm not asking, do you have a Bible? Or do you believe in God? I'm asking, do you want to surrender your very essence, your very being to being a follower of Jesus? I'm about to lead you in a prayer. The cross and the empty grave are God's announcement to you that you're forgiven. And now you and I get the opportunity to respond to his grace and say, God, I surrender. So if you've never given your heart and your life to Christ, or at one point in time you did and you slipped away and you're ready to repent, you're ready for, to make that U-turn, I'm going to ask you no matter where you are under the sound of my voice, on the count of three, I just want you to throw your hand in the air and say, yes, that's me. I want to give my heart and my life to Christ. Ready? One two, three. Just put your hand in the air. You're saying, yes, that's me. I want to give my heart and my life to Jesus. I want to make him number one. I want to make him first. I want to put him first in my life. So no matter where you are, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. Put your hand over your heart right now. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I want you to repeat it out loud after me. Say, dear Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I admit I've made mistakes. And today, I give you my heart. I give you my life. Give me the power to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we lift our heads up and can we clap our hands with enthusiasm at all of our locations? God bless you, people's church. <laughs>